2: This holiday season, it's all about the bedroom. And Casper's Black Friday sale has up to 30% off everything you need to make your bedroom your happy place. Only Casper mattresses are made with 86 supportive gel pods to align your spine and eliminate aches and pains. And Casper bed frames are made from the highest quality materials. Give the gift of a better bedroom. Save up to 30% during Casper's Black Friday sale on now at Casper.com. Terms and conditions apply. See Casper.com slash terms for more details. Never stop arriving.
0: Hello and welcome to the Raptors weekly podcast for the week of June 18th. I'm your host, William Liu. Uh, First off, apologies that the podcast didn't come out uh, on Monday as it usually does uh there's a bit of a scheduling mishap on my part and um yeah so the podcast is out on tuesday now uh we don't have a guest which is unfortunate but we have plenty of raptors news at least which is good in a sense um the nba draft is coming up on thursday and you know although the raptors don't have a pick um there's certainly no shortage of speculation um, when it comes to the Raptors, the most notable one and probably the most reputable one comes from Mark Stein uh, of the New York Times, who uh, reports that the Raptors are trying to get into that top ten um, in his newsletter, uh, which you should all really subscribe to. It's a really nice column to read every week. It's in your, you know, it's free. It's it comes in your mailbox. Um, it's kind of old school, really, to to do those newsletters, but still, I, I find it very enjoyable. Uh, in the newsletter. Uh, Stein mentions that the Raptors are looking to trade into that eight to ten range, and they want to draft um, Kentucky guard Shea Gilgis Alexander, um, who grew up in Hamilton. Shout out to McMaster, but um, yeah, this is uh, a bit strange, especially since he said that you know the Raptors are um, making everyone on the roster available at the right price, of course, which you know you've you've heard of. Um, in other reports, but it just seems strange to all of a sudden that they, you know, want to um, dive so heavily into the top of this uh, lottery, especially since you know, just a personal opinion, I don't really find myself that enamored with the actual top picks in this roster or in this uh, draft. Um, they don't look all that great, but I do like Shea. Um, his stock has ridden a, a, a lot over the years, um, especially in the last couple of months. Um, Kentucky obviously didn't have a great season. Um, but uh, you know, a lot of that comes down to sort of the the mismatching talent they had. They had two centers on the floor once, um, you know, and and Shea didn't really get control of the offense until later in the season. But he ran a lot of pick and rolls. He played a lot of um, a uh, pick and roll basketball, which is you know that's what is uh, is uh, like ninety percent of NBA basketball. Uh, a lot of colleges they don't run that. <laughs> they run. I don't know motion offenses and stuff like that that isn't necessarily pick and roll basketball. But Shea ran a lot of pick and rolls. Um, I saw one site out there suggested that he had over 500 um, pick and rolls uh, run for him, which is nice, right? And and he's a nice pick and roll player. He can get downhill, crafty finisher, um, six foot six, seven foot wingspan. So that really does fit the type of player that Masai likes to draft. Um, you know, we know he's big on length, and you know he's um, not necessarily primarily a score. He's a good combo guard. He's a good passer out of the pick and roll scenario. And I think if he plays with more spacing in the NBA, he'll have a better time uh of recording assists. But you know, like it's it's a nice player. It's a nice player. But the the Canadian thing is not the main thing, but it's a bonus. Um it's just a little bit strange though because like ironically the player that he is most similar to in both the stature and the style of game he plays is a lot like the Wright, who the Raptors already have now, granted, um, Shea is 19 and DeLon is 26. So, um, you know, that's obviously a big gap there. And you would have a lot more control over Shea. But it just seems a little bit strange that you would turn up your roster a little bit um, to get into the top of this draft. Which, again, I don't really find this to be that impressive. Like, yeah, you can get a really nice big in this draft. But um, how many bigs, like, do the rappers already have, right? And so then if you look at the rest of that roster or in the rest of that draft i mean the i mean like does none of them are really perfect you know what i mean and i'm not saying you have to get the perfect guy at the number 8 to 10 pick like that's most most drafts you're not finding too much value there um but unless doncic slides through pretty much everybody which is not going to happen uh then you're looking at guys like Trey Young then you're looking at guys like Shea guys like uh, Michael Porter who I like but I mean come on we haven't even seen him play college college basketball because he had a back injury like you know who knows if he's even going to be healthy and the fact that the Kings are so heavily into him actually makes me not you know trust my own abilities to look at this player and think he's good because if the Kings think he's good he's probably bad. and so it's just it's just strange that the Raptors try to trade into this draft like that. Um, it's also strange because the Raptors would need to give up some pretty significant assets to get into that top tier. Um, again, if you're looking at the 8, to eight 9, 10 range there, uh, number eight is Cleveland. I don't think Cleveland is going to trade that pick. And if they do, they need to get someone better than anyone on the Raptors because they're trying to trade that pick, um, you know, maybe for Kawhi and, and you know, Again, that would be pretty crazy to even land Kawhi with just a number eight pick. But they want to land a, an actual star um, to pair with LeBron. And while Kyle Lowry would actually play really well in Cleveland, it just doesn't fully make sense for them to do a trade like that. Because I don't think LeBron looks at Cleveland and goes, well, if you have Kyle Lowry, then we're staying. Like, no, I don't think he's going to do that. I think he's going to go to L.A. still. Um, and then if you look at number nine, um, number nine belongs to the Knicks. Uh, I'm not really sure what the Knicks want to do with that pick, but it seems like right now they're pretty devoted to the rebuild. I don't foresee them giving up number nine for any of the anybody the Raptors are offering. Um, and then number 10, like, that one's probably the most realistic one. The Sixers have number 10. Um, you know, it, it, the Sixers situation is very strange because Brian Colangelo got, you know, let go for his uh, secret tweets and stuff like that, and now they don't have a GM. Um Brett Brown, their head coach, is now managing basketball operations, which, you know, I- I'm not quite sure how he would handle that. But, you know, like, they could use a guy like Kyle Lowry. Like, that's a perfect team for Lowry to go to. Like, there was some, you know, no actual reporting, but it was sort of you, people put two and two together that Kyle Lowry was a free agent last year, and he could go to Philadelphia where he's from, and they could really use a point guard. But they didn't. They they kept all their cap room open um, because they looked at the summer. They saw that lebron was going to be a free agent they saw that uh paul george is going to be a free agent um i don't think they called co- they foresaw the Kawhi thing but i think they kept their cap room open for this specific summer so that they can chase paul george and lebron and you know I, I don't know if they can get those guys i don't know what kind of intel they have in terms of whether or not those guys are going to um pass on philly or you know give them a chance but i don't foresee philly at this point in the draft when they're so close with all this cap room about to uh to come to them that they're just like, well, instead we'll trade the number ten for Kalari. Like that's just it's strange. Like I could see them going for Kyle Lowry if they miss on all of this other stuff, but chances are pretty good that they're gonna keep that cap room open and try to land um, you know, one of those stars in free agency so they don't have to give up the number ten pick. But um that's just from sort of what the Raptors are looking at in terms of options. In terms of what the Raptors are looking at in terms of their own roster and why they would feel compelled to trade some of these guys. I mean by all accounts, it seems like the Raptors want to stay competitive. Um, you know, the reports of everyone being available at the right price, I, you get that. Like, I think every team should really look at it that way. And I think, strictly speaking, Masai has operated that way as well. Um, if the right deal comes uh, comes around, I, I don't think he's going to turn that down. I think he's going to move it. But I don't think there's this is, like, um, grand intent to tear everything down this summer. Um, and it would just be quite a shock especially since you know um I mean part of it's unavoidable but you know when Masai was asked about Kyle Lowry and when the new head coach Nick Nurse was asked about Kyle Lowry and 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 JV and these guys you know they've spoken about them like they have big plans for them in the upcoming year like their core fixtures in the next year so it would be a little bit surprising to see them move some players if they move one of the two players um you could You know, the Raptors are going to take a step back. They don't have a natural score on the roster to replace, you know, the 25 points a game DeMar is giving you. Um, I know DeMar is sort of a question because there's obviously a lot of thought, especially people who, um, you know, place more value in analytics that uh, DeMar is a guy that might be holding the Raptors back in terms of just his um, defense and his inflexibility and offense and not shooting as much, him handling the ball so much. Um, him relying on mid-range shots and you know the last memory of Damar from the playoffs was not good whatsoever however like this is still a very important player and it's it's beyond the fact of um, you know just strictly speaking what amount of points he gives you but the fact that you have a system you can build a system around a guy where you know he's going to be able to generate consistent offense for you if you take that out of the if you take that focus away out of Demar and you you move it to a pick, which is not going to produce for you immediately, as much as I like Shea, he's not going to replace Demar for you immediately, um, or even ever really. If you <laughs> even if he develops, um, right? Like, who do you move that system to in terms of like is Kalari going to be that focal point? Because if Kalari is that focal point, and we saw in twenty fifteen, he his body broke down after like thirty games, and he wasn't really right for the rest of the season after he carried them. When Demar was out for like six weeks with that, um, I I forget what it was like a hamstring pull or something, um, and so like you know it's it's a consideration right? It's gonna it, like taking Demar out is not as simple as well you know his plus minus is this and that his on off court rating is this we replace him with someone else and it, all of a sudden it's fixed. I don't know about that. Um, I guess part of it is also like. You know, if you want to look at the upside, of, if you want to move DeMar and and you're optimistic, you probably think that, you know, Nick Nurse has sort of generated uh, an offense that got put in place last season where DeMar's um, importance was de-emphasized in terms of his scoring. His passing was obviously more emphasized and more encouraged. Uh, And, you know, you might be able to replace him uh, on the whole, on the aggregate, with, you know, more production from the rest of the roster. But, like... Again, that's those are things that are nicer in theory. I don't know if they happen in practice. I think the Raptors rely a lot on Demar, and moving him would be a huge change to what they do, and it would be a step back next year. Um, and then when it comes to Lowry, like I think that's that's one where everyone's in agreement. Even though the Raptors have depth at point guard, even though they want to re-sign Fred, which you know I'll talk about in a second, um, you know it's still it's still not like there's nobody on the roster that's going to step in and take up everything that Kyle Lowry does I mean as much slander as Kyle Lowry catches online for this and that but he's still a very underappreciated player for what he does I mean last season Kyle Lowry right it wasn't an exceptional season for him he transitioned he had hot stretches he had had cold stretches the man still was third in the NBA in three-point makes behind Paul George and James Harden. all right so that's that's one number two he led the league in charges He transitioned to being both very good on the ball and very good off the ball. He didn't drive as much at the basket, but that helped him stay healthy and he was fresh and he went into the playoffs healthy for once. He was the Raptors' best performer um, on on the whole over the Washington series, uh, which he was fantastic in the Washington series, uh, multiple games with double digit assists. Um, You know, pretty good defense against Bradley Beal and things like that. Uh, And, you know, he was not great in this in the in the Cavs series I don't think anyone was great in the Cavs series but if anyone had a if the Raptors had like one performer that had the best specific game out of that four game series that four game embarrassment it was Kyle Lowry like Kyle Lowry had a really good game three uh in which the Raptors you know tried to lead that comeback and LeBron hit that crazy you know running bank shot whatever we don't have to revisit that but You know, Kyle Lowry is very important to this team. He is so smart, so adaptable that he fills in. He's a perfect complementary star. And if you um, if you take him away from the Raptors, I mean, all the stats and everything has pointed to that. You know, the Raptors are going to suffer. So, you know, if you do decide to rebuild, then that's probably a decision that you should probably make. you know ahead of time it's strange to hear this two days from the draft and that's where i I come back to this idea that like you know stein you know stein said everyone on the roster is available for the right price and there was also uh, a salt lake tribune reporter tony jones who said that he heard that kyle lowry is very much available i mean i don't know Who, who knows but like i think part of it is also just around draft time you hear a lot more speculation about everything and and that's why you should sort of take everything with as much a huge a huge grain of salt right because like sometimes information gets leaked um f- well i mean information gets leaked usually purposely i don't think a lot of it is accidental um but if it's purposefully then like i don't think any of this stuff comes from the raptors i don't think the raptors are suddenly saying to the leak hey we want to draft this specific player and we're going to offer anyone on our roster um that just doesn't seem like good business. That's not something that you would that would help the Raptors leverage. I don't think it would even help the Raptors in terms of getting a temperature of what the fan base thinks. I don't th- I don't think that's how the Raptors operate in the past. They don't really leak reports to see how people react and then act accordingly, at least not under Masai's watch. Um because they have been notoriously, you know, uh not leaky, although in recent in the last one or two years I feel like it's been a lot more leaky. Um but, you know, I would just be surprised. I would be surprised. I don't think, again, like I, I I think the Raptors, if the right guy comes, if the right package comes around, they will obviously reconsider. But, um, you know, I would not be surprised if the Raptors did not trade one of their superstars, not superstars, one of their stars for the number 10 pick and some other, you know, crap that comes along with it, um, at the trade deadline. Um, but who knows, who knows? Like, it could happen, and at at that point, I'm also okay with that happening, um, provided that the return makes sense, because, like, you know, w- there's, like, uh, there's this, like, um, there's two modes where the Raptors exist in, right? There's that world where this is a good team, um, there's a lot of accomplishments, and a lot of these you know, players that are currently on the roster, especially the core guys, mean a lot, and they sh- deserve to continue being here, and they should be traded for um something of equivalent value but then there's also the reality of like look we've been through five years of this we've seen what it where it goes to we've seen the absolute ceiling of this team it's kind of been proven time and time again if they bring a new coach i I mean having brought a new coach in like i don't think that really changes anything realistically it wasn't like doing Casey was holding this team back so far that they were going to beat cleveland or anything like that it's a talent issue, right? And so, if we've seen the like the absolute ceiling of this core, and they want to change something that maybe in the short term, you know, knocks the team back, but um, you know, they can sort of have more flexibility and try to make another move and, and this and that, change the style of play. Um, I wouldn't mind that move either, right? It just has to, you know, it has to be come at the right price. And I think, I guess, that's ultimately what Stein is saying. The interest in Shays is is, is kind of interesting because it does suggest they're going to move on the guards. Um, but I don't know, man. I mean, as of right now, Shea kind of looks like DeLon. And it's weird to kind of blow up your team and get DeLon back. But I don't know. Who knows? If, if you do that, if they do end up doing that and they resign Fred Van Vliet, then you have suddenly a whole bunch of point guards again. You could probably trade one of them again. So who knows? But, um, yeah, that's probably the most significant rumor out there, the Stein report and the Jones report. Um In terms of actual, you know, out-in-the-open shit, uh, Raptors GM Bobby Webster won on TSN Radio, and he said, quote, um, well, he said, resigning Fred Van Bleed is, quote, the highest priority for the team, and he reiterated that no one in the organization has ever um, given a direct, you know, edict to avoid the luxury tax. Having said that... um, you know, Webster has also said the reason the Raptors have not gone into luxury tax for the last couple of years is because they personally felt that this team was not at that level. There was no need to go into a luxury tax. And we've seen them last year when they ducked the luxury tax by shipping off the Mario Carroll for a first round pick to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, you know, this year, I feel like the luxury tax is a little bit inevitable, um, you know the raptors have about 127 million dollars committed to next season uh and i mean you know they that's 127 million committed to 11 players the luxury tax is 123 million um they want to re-sign Fred VanVleet it'll probably cost them around 5 to 8 million you got to believe like 5 on the low ends you know 8.6 is the absolute max that anyone could offer him next year um, he can obviously make more money down the line with this contract, but the first two years have to be uh, mid-level. Um, so, you know, like, I don't know. It just seems very difficult. They don't have uh, a pick to trade in this draft to sort of move off some salary. Also, the rest of the league is really short on cap space, which is why I ultimately think that, you know, if people just, like, the league has to take a year to actually pay f- – for its mistakes and like when the the cap jumped incredibly in 2016 um and the league opted against smoothing everyone went nuts because that's just how it goes right you have to spend at minimum 90 percent of the uh the, the salary cap every year and the salary cap jumped 30 million so like everybody was had way more money to spend and everyone made all these bad investments right um you know and you look around the league, like, it's not like the Raptors are the only team to make this mistake. Almost every single team made this error, and they, they spent way too much money. The salaries became temporarily inflated. For that one- to two-year period, like, every agent was getting paid crazy dollars. Like, man, Evan, Evan Turner, um, you know <laughs> – um, You know, Joe Kim Noah got a $72 million contract. Like, you can look at every single team. Every single team has an example of one of these mistakes. Um, Sergeant Baku got paid $23 million a year. Um, But, you know, at some point, you have to pay for that error, right? Because, like, yeah, you're going to squeeze yourself to a point where you're going to need to sign new contracts. You have all these old, burdensome contracts on the books. You have a choice between giving up more assets to duck the tax or you just pay the tax for a year because. I think realistically, that's what the Raptors should be doing. They should just pay the tax for that one year. Um, because as of right now, if the Raptors re signed Van Vleet uh, and maybe moved off one of their contracts, right? Like, it's not it's not going to be too bad, right? They're not paying like crazy luxury tax. Luxury tax becomes really burdensome when you're in the repeater tax um, and you're going to pay it in multiple years. And, you know, suddenly you're getting paid, you're getting taxed like, you know, two, three, even $4 on every extra dollar you spend which is how it gets really expensive, but you know, you look at this team, a lot of the contracts are set to expire um, in, you know, after 2020, like, that's the end of that three-year window. They have, like, over $80 million coming off the the, the books at once that summer. Um, it could be even, uh, they could have actually more financial flexibility even sooner if JV opts out of his deal in 2019 or if CJ Miles opts out of his deal in 2019. I don't really see out of that happening, but, like, it's not going to be too bad, right? Like relief is just right around the corner. So it, it, instead of um, trading another first round pick to get off one of these contracts, or um, you know, instead of giving away um, some of your young prospects to try to weaken your team in the in the mind, in, in the meantime, just so that you can re sign for a man lead and, and try to make another run, like it's just very complicated. At some point, you just got to say, look, you just got to bite the bullet and and just essentially. Um, you know, pay for the first round pick that you would essentially pay for anyway, right? Like how much, how much like does the health of the franchise matter in terms of just like the strictly speaking the basketball assets? Because if you wanted to, you could just keep this whole roster together, right? And you know, I'm not advocating for that necessarily. Like if someone comes around and wants to take Serge Ibaka for a salary dump and you don't have to offer anything else, I'm sure the Raptors would do it right now. But If that doesn't come around, then, you know, you have that choice of giving something up. And for a team that has made as much money as the Raptors have, you know, MLSC has – the prices for Raptors games have gone up so much over the last couple of years. And rightfully so. Like, you know, I think Raptors uh, being in the market like Toronto where there's a lot of rich people and everything like that, a lot of interest in basketball – um, the prices were really, really low, and that's partially because they were playing, you know, Leandro Barbosa as their go-to scorer um, before trading him for a top 55 protected pick. Uh, you know, like, yeah, of course, ticket prices are going to go up, but I mean, at the same time, like, you can't tell me this team hasn't made a ton of money recently. And if you got to pay the luxury tax for one or two years, and, and it's not even like a crazy luxury tax like what Cleveland pays or what Golden State pays, I'm just talking about like two or three million. Like five million into the tax, like you just just gotta bite the bullet and do it. Like that's it, right? Like, um, you know, there's a lot of young talent on this team. We would hate to see it go to waste um, in a salary dump. Um, and you know, it just, personally, I don't think it makes sense to pay the luxury tax right now. But like, it just, you know, in in a in a world where all things are equal, but all things are not equal. Like that that one cap spike really did put everyone. Um, into this position, and you eventually have to pay it. Sometimes you just have to pay the penalty. You just pay it one one year, and it's probably done. So that's probably what I would do. But there is that question of um, Norman Powell, who you know, it's uh, really unfortunate. It's such a huge bummer. Um, Norm, obviously, we were all ecstatic last summer when it was announced that um, you know Norms had signed that four year, forty two million dollar extension. Right around the time Josh Richardson was signed. And, man, I was high on Norm. I love Norm. Everyone loved Norm. I mean, you know, I I remember these stats like, you know, like they're written on the back of my hand or something. But Norm made 18 starts in 2016-17 for Damari Carroll, who was in and out of the roster um, with, you know, this injury or another injury or whatever just being ineffective. And Norm, in those 18 starts, averaged 15 points a game, shot 49% from the field, and 40% from three, and was, generally speaking, pretty good on defense. And so, like, it made absolute sense to extend him. Uh, and then, you know, that's what made it such a huge bummer, right, that he um, he has sort of regressed to this point. And this point is that, um, you know, Josh Lewenberg reports uh, that the Raptors were gauging trade interests for Norman Powell. Um, and that you know they could look to trade him before the draft, or at least you know sometime before July first, because, um, well, on the financial side, Norm is currently making one point five million dollars. The extension is going to kick in on July first, and then he's going to make um, nine point four million dollars. Right, so you it'd be a lot easier to trade him right now on that one point five figure than later on the nine point four figure um but you know on the other side is just it's just really sad to see what happened to norm because you know he worked so hard uh, i remember watching him at crown league he was electric way better than the lon right in that one game um and you know uh the two of them uh, i remember there was like confetti that fell from you know the, the the rafters and and they were talking about how it's our time to take you know more of a bigger role on this team and norm was even potentially going to be a starter and you know from that point onward it it got really bad in terms of just um you know OG comes in he develops really quickly it's obviously a great thing but he you know he usurps Norm from the starting rotation and then Norm can't find his way with the bench because the bench develops their own identity and it just it the all the whole year Norm was just struggling to find any sort of piece in the rotation he couldn't do it um the raptors had so many productive players that Towards the end, man, he didn't even play. Like, he he didn't even play. Like, the Raptors were going to some crazy stuff like CJ Miles guarding Kevin Love before, you know, Norm was even out there on the floor at all. And it's just disappointing because I I think expectations for Norm are way higher than this. But if you were going to potentially cut a salary, Norm seems like the kind of guy that would be the easiest one to shed. Now, the reason for that is because this is a cost-controlled young player, and if some team was interested in him, and presumably some team is going to be interested in him, this would basically be a like a like a free situation. You know, it's like when you, um, I don't know, man, like when you let let's say you win i don't know you, you roll up the rim and you win a new honda civic and you, then all of a sudden you your old car you can just put that up for sale but you never really wanted to put that old car up for sale in the first place it's just circumstances you know dictated that this is a buy low opportunity and that's that's essentially what happened with norm here right like you could get norm for free at this point which Bloomberg also reports that you know the raptors probably won't get too much back for him um but you know I'm sure there's some team out there that is probably looking at Norm like, hey, we believed in him. We see the situation here that, you know, the Raptors have no money um, available and, you know, we could take Norm off your hands and um, it could be a free it could be a free sort of situation. And, you know, maybe someone does buy into that. The Raptors should have some leverage because he's only 25 years old and he has shown um, both on a playoff level, uh, especially in that Milwaukee series, when he got into the starting lineup, the Raptors were three and zero and won that series. Um, that you know, Norm is a guy that can contribute, and that in a team in a, in a league that is so uh, wing heavy nowadays, like someone should be around to take on Norm. But you know, it, I don't know. Most of it just depresses me. If the Raptors wanted to move Norm and just sort of like uh, kick the can down the road and and try to take that money off the books which, um, that erases 9 million off the books next year. Then you add in, uh, Fred for, I don't know, let's say, f- let's be optimistic. Let's say five, right? So then you're looking at like $123 million. So you're right at that luxury tax mark. Um, maybe you shift another couple of salaries around and you add some minimum guys and maybe, you know, you could sneak to the point where yes, you can sort of just narrowly duck the tax again, like the, what the Raptors did this year. But I don't know. I mean, I. W- it's just it just kind of sucks, right? Because it was such a great story for Norm for like two years. Um, the Raptors, as you recall, um, traded Gravis Vasquez, who was already unhappy with only one year left on this deal, um, to the Bucks for a first round pick and also a second round pick that turned into Norm. Then Norm has that breakout moment in the playoffs against the Pacers, and um, you know he continues to progress and he keeps showing more and more flashes in the next season. And it just felt like this was found money, right? Like, wow, this is great. The Raptors had this, you know, player that they got basically for nothing. um, And they got into a nice, you know, uh, cost-controlled contract moving forward. And then all of a sudden, it's going to turn into a point where the Raptors are going to be like, well, turns out we didn't really deserve this money in the first place. And we're going to have to give it away for free. Like, that's just... It's a bummer. It really is a bummer. But I mean, it's it's ultimately a financial decision, right? Like if they want to keep Norm, they can do it. They can keep Fred, Van Lee and Norm at the same time. It's just whether or not they want to pay the luxury tax. And arguably, now okay, hold on. If you want to if you want to keep Powell, like you should have a plan for him going forward. If you want to keep the whole roster together and keep Powell for that, just just for just you know basically to run everything back, that doesn't quite make sense because as this season showed, there was no actual. Opportunity, No role for Powell on this team, right? But if, you know, let's say a crazy trade happened and, I don't know, like one of the guards got moved, you know, probably DeMar because DeMar is in the same position as Norm, then, okay, there's more of an opportunity. You're not going to replace DeMar with Norm, but, you know, at least there's an actual chance to actual playing time in which he can actually justify his contract. If that happens, then, of course, keep Norm, but I don't know. It doesn't really seem likely the Raptors are going to move on their big pieces, and so... Um, if you're not going to do that, then, and you're going to keep everyone else, then you're, you know, probably going to get rid of Norm, which is, again, very upsetting. Um, you know, I do like Norm a lot. Uh, in other news, the. Um, oh, actually, more about the draft, actually. I-, I feel like the Raptors could buy a pick um, in the upcoming draft. The Raptors have no current picks, no first round pick, no second round pick. But, um, you know, I f- th- th- this feels like a draft where the Raptors can to the second round. Um, for example, the Hawks have number thirty and number thirty-three. The Nets have number forty and number forty-five. The Sixers, in particular, have number thirty-eight, number thirty-nine, and fifty-six. Um, with only you know a limited number of roster spots available, most of the Sixers' um, players are already in place. So, like they probably can't accommodate all these new picks. So they probably have to trade some of them. Um, I could definitely foresee the Raptors spending um, five point one million. Um, to sort of buy one of these picks, uh, especially since, you know, again, the Raptors are pretty tight against electric luxury tax, and they've been really good uh, at turning these late picks into extra-productive pieces. You look at Siakam, you look at Van Vliet, who was just straight-up uh, undrafted OG, DeLon, um, you know, even Bebe, who they got for free. Like, all these guys, Norm, you know, ironically, um, you know, they've done really well with the end of this, basically, you know, low draft picks. They've shown a really nice ability to identify talent um, that maybe the rest of the league has a blind spot for. And so I, I would very much like to see that happen in this draft. I really expect it. I also think the Raptors could probably sign an undrafted player, um, you know, similar to the Van Vliet thing. Granted, Van Vliet is like the best, best case scenario where you just have this player that is completely found money. But, you know, if they've done it once, they could probably do it again. Um, at least that's the hope anyway. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it will be a completely dry draft period for the Raptors. I think the Raptors will make a little bit of noise um, on draft day. I just don't think it's going to be, like, huge noise, like trading one of the play, one of their main pieces and getting one of the top picks in this draft because, I don't know, it would just be very strange. Um, in other Raptors news, the... The franchise announced that Jama Mahalela um, has replaced Jerry Stackhouse um, as the next head coach of the Raptors 905. Um, You know, Stack went to join the Grizzly staff as a lead assistant um, after the Raptors ultimately went to Nurse, which makes sense. Um, You know, I feel bad. I, I, I again, it's a situation like Norm where the Raptors, you know, got this guy they've developed him stack has really shown a lot of promise and you know there's there's a lot of love for stack in this podcast um and you know he's taken them to the finals twice and one of them he won the the, the title and he's he, he's done it with different caliber players as well and he's done a great job of building that program but you know it, the Raptors had that opening it didn't come it wasn't going to go to him and so he figured he might as well go somewhere else and try something new and, and memphis is a situation where if they pivoted to a rebuild, which is very, very possible, um, Jerry Stackhouse would have uh, a foot in the door in terms of becoming that interim because I don't really think they're that, you know, committed to J.B. Bickerstaff for their long-term head coach. Um, but anyway, this is about Jama. And, um, you know, it's a great, great opportunity for him as a coach. It's very, uh, I think, appropriate. Um like, you know, in a developmental setting, right, you want someone that's really encouraging, really positive, really upbeat. Uh, and that's that's what Jama is like. He's he's kind of like a Canadian version of uh, of Jesse Murmus. um uh, If you guys remember, Jesse was the first Raptors 905 head coach. Um, he got uh, hired after a year to join Luke Walton on his staff. As an assistant coach, and you know it's the kind of the same guys, right? Like really upbeat, really about development, and you know for for JAMA, like this is a good opportunity for him to go down there, um, you know, learn more about play calling, um, learn about sort of just the management of the team overall, like not just an assistant but being responsible for the whole team as the head coach, uh, and you know it, it makes sense on the upside too because they they need somebody to take over that um, that spot. And, you know, they don't really have that many other options internally. Like, it's, um, you know, there's a lot of openings on the head coaching spot right now. Like, I, I don't know how many they're going to retain, but they were basically picking from Jama, um, Patrick Mutumbo, who the Raptors just introduced to the coaching staff last year, and also Jim San, who was with the Raptors previously, but had just come back into the organization last year. And so, like, Jama had way more seniority than those guys. Um, and, you know, as a young coach, it's a good opportunity. So I'm going to miss Stack, though. I really will miss Stack. I, I don't think JAMA is nearly going to be as quotable as Stack. It's not going to be as many great stories as there were uh, with Stackhouse. And I think Stack did a great job. But, um, you know, now it's, now it's JAMA's turn to develop into a great coach. Um, in terms of the other stuff, The Raptors uh, also, again, have to fill out their assistant coaching staff around Nick Nurse. Um, So far, they don't have anyone else. Um, Michael Grange of Sportsnet is reporting that the Raptors are interested in uh, Sergio Scariolo, um, who was the Spanish national team head coach. I don't know if he still is, um, but, you know, uh, cool like, the, the one thing I remember with, with him is that the Raptors tried to hire him back in 2015, and he declined. And so I, I, I don't know why he would, you know, make the decision again. Maybe he thought a, a head coach position was opening. It's not going to come for him. He's not really on anyone else's radar. If he wants to do the Raptors thing, like, he could. Um, who knows? I mean, you could look at this situation in terms of the Raptors could change head coaches again soon-ish. Like, Nick Nurse only signed a three-year deal. Um, and coaches don't usually coach on the last year of their contract expiring, so it's really like a two-year deal, and if it is a two-year deal, then it kind of matches up with the Raptors' 2020 timeline. So who knows? But, I mean, like, the Raptors didn't interview him for head coach either, so if if they're interested in him, you know, cool. They probably want someone for experience. That's what Nick Nurse said. Really values guys that have been head coaches elsewhere, and, you know, being the head coach of Spain is, is pretty nice. I mean, Spain has had a really nice run here with basketball. Um, so that's one possibility uh, Grange also mentioned Phil Handy who was an assistant with the Cleveland Cavaliers Um, you know cool I don't really know too much about Phil Handy all I know is that he gave the, the Cavaliers this huge inspirational speech uh, and then the Cavaliers um, you know had that magical run in 2016 where they you know upset the Warriors after being down 3-1 uh, again Handy seems like a development guy seems like a pretty tough guy um you know who knows again it's it's hard with assistant coaches um but you know he has a good resume he's worked with a lot of stars and you know if the Raptors want to go that way sure why not um he uh if you want to see toughness in the team I mean it, it would be nice to to bring in a head coach that you know can deliver it because as much as uh, I believe Nick Nurse you know has you know qualities of someone that can inspire our team to be tough like he seems like an upbeat guy mostly like a positive feedback kind of guy so maybe you want a bad cop I don't know uh, and there was also a report again earlier in this week from uh, Mark Stein that the Raptors tried to interview uh, you know Chris Finch who um, now works for the pelicans the pelicans denied it because it was a lateral move not that cool in my opinion but um, you know I get it like the the code is usually you let the person go for an actual promotion, not that you just let a guy go for a lateral job um and so I don't know the Pelicans chose to hold on to him. that's cool, whatever um but yeah, I mean, the connection there is that Finch was uh you know he coached with Nick nurse uh for the greatest uh for the the Great Britain team, so I don't know, I guess that's one of his good friends. he was familiar with him, he wanted to hire him. Anyway, the, as it currently stands, the Raptors have n- no assistant coaches, so they'll they want to fill it out. But, I mean, th- there's no immediate need to get these assistant coaches. Like, um, you know, chances are that the player – like, what you want assistant coaches to be doing right now is to be training your players and things like that. And I'm sure the Raptors players are being trained um, just, you know, with other trainers and stuff. Like, that's what most players do in the summer anyway. So, I don't think it's a big worry. It's not a big concern. I, I would obviously prefer them to fill it sooner rather than later. But, um, given that Nick is not like a super established NBA guy who's been around forever, I don't, it's, it's probably going to take him some time to, to put together a team. Um, but, um, yeah. I mean, also taking your time with that is good too because it, it helps fill summer content. Um, you know, because otherwise we're just scraping the bottom of the barrel. And in terms of scraping the bottom of the barrel, um, I'm going to sign off with uh, this last point about, um, you know, crazy, crazy fantasy trades right now that the Raptors uh, fans are talking themselves into. Perhaps it's because I'm spending too much time um, looking at these rumors. Um, I don't know. I go into these forums a lot. I, I look at, you know, the Raptors public forums, I look at the comments, I look at, uh, um, you know, the Toronto Raptors Reddit page, sometimes I go on Real Gym as well, like, it, it depends, but I mean, the two most crazy scenarios you're seeing out there right now is, like, either one, Chandler Parsons, number four for DeMar, which is, um, I don't think it's ultimately that realistic, again, it, it, it's like a supersized version of that that Shea thing where it's like, you know, it would be a, such a dramatic move for the Raptors to make that you would think they would have dropped some hints along the way. And if you really, really want to look for the hints, like um, Zach Lowe said the other day that, oh, man, Rex Kalamian's is really close with Demar, It's like, all right, cool. But it's not like now that Rex has left for L.A. that, um, you know, Demar is going to follow him out the door. I don't think that's the case. Um, but, you know. It would be kind of crazy. I also think it would be kind of a hard sell, too, because you're kind of pulling a fast 180 on the fans. And, um, you know, this franchise has uh, trumped up DeMar so much, and rightfully so. He's done a great service for this for this franchise. And so sort of just let him go for a draft pick and Chandler Parsons, which is, like, a, one of the worst contracts in the league, like – it would be very shocking, and it would be kind of hard to accept, even if I see the logic in it, they must really, really hit on the number four pick then, because like man, DeMar was a really good player and if you look at the number four pick, I mean who knows what that could be, maybe it could even land you like Luka Doncic, it could land you one of these bigs like Jaron Jackson, who you know, could be like Draymond with some scoring, which would be great or, you know, Mo Bamba who looks like Rudy Gobert with kind of a jumper, and um really really marketable um and well-spoken um but like come on man like the expectation for that pick was gonna be pretty high and I think it's just I don't know I don't really foresee the Raptors doing something like that and then the other thing is just trading for Kawhi Leonard which um you know I guess what's working most in the Raptors favor is that the Spurs probably would prefer to trade him to the Eastern Conference if they trade him at all um but I mean if Kawhi is hell bent on going to the Lakers and you want to intercept it for a one-year rental, I don't really see what that does for you. Um, and in terms of just interesting, like, like the, the thing is, like, whatever the Raptors can offer, like, I feel like the, the Celtics or the Sixers can intercept with a better offer, right? Like, what's the Raptors' best offer? Like, you give up. I don't know, like, Siakam, OG, and JV for him. It's, it's, first off, does that even improve your team? Like, I guess it does because Kawhi is amazing and he's healthy. He's a top three player. But, like, if you're losing all that depth and you have no financial flexibility, I don't really see that happening. And also, B, like, I feel like just the Celtics can offer a better package. Like, if they just say, like, hey, straight up, we'll give you Jalen Brown and one of our um, future 2019 first round draft picks you know they own one from the grizzlies they're one from the kings like those are all really 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 nice pieces that could be um you know lottery picks and stuff like that you give them two of those draft picks and Jalen brown i don't think the spurs would say no right so like it, it i could easily see um another team trumping that offer for the raptors so i don't, I don't really see the quiet to a toronto thing um i mean it's it's fun to sort of i don't know play with the trade machine and 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 see and photoshop Kawhi in a raptors jersey but i don't know i think that's unrealistic uh if the raptors want Kawhi, we should have just got him in the draft um but we didn't we didn't so anyway that does it for the podcast again apologies that it came out late and that there's no guest but um you know uh the draft is coming up uh and so we'll definitely recap that on the night of the draft if anything crazy happens um Uh, And, you know, if nothing crazy does happen, then I'll probably just, you know, catch you at the usual time next Monday. So thank you to everyone for listening.
2: Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end, it's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade, never stop arriving.
1: Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America.